What's it take to build a successful apparel brand? And how important is the mission behind the brand? I'm Kyle Whitnauer, your host for this Iteration One podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Leah Kirsch of leahkirsch.com, formerly millionaires.com. I'm talking with her a bit about entrepreneurship and how she built an apparel brand around empowering women. We talked through the birth of the idea, her strategy, and some of her iterations along the way. Plus, we get some of her advice for young people in finding professional and personal fulfillment. Enjoy, and happy iterations. So, Leah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, so, to illustrate a little bit of the the entrepreneurial lifestyle of, of Leah Kirsch, she's been working uh, so hard that she... We're, we're shooting this podcast here late in the afternoon. She didn't even eat anything all day because she's been so busy. So um, fortunately, she, she did get a snack and she's, she's ready to go. But, um, but anyway, Leah, we're excited to, to have you here today. And like I mentioned at the intro, um, you know, I think some of, some of Leah's perspectives are going to be really valuable for our audience because she came from a, um, in a lot of ways, kind of traditional background. Um, going to Fordham University, studying finance, but also always had kind of this creative, artistic style um, and really took a a launch to build her own brand. So um, I think this is going to be an exciting, exciting dialogue. But um, I do want to point out, too, she just recently rebranded as LeahKirsch.com. So check that out. Uh, That's L-E-A-H-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. Some great stuff up there. so Leah, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so let's, uh, I'm just, so our audience gets to know you a little bit. Uh, we obviously had known each other and we, we were just chatting a little bit about your, um, your upbringing and background. Um, so you grew up in Germany and then moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, I was born in Germany and then we were only there for four years or so. And then I moved to Singapore and uh, around eight or nine years old, I moved to Michigan. And then how did you end up coming to school in, in New York? Well, I, I graduated high school early because I just wanted to get out of Michigan and my family lived in New York. So we were always coming here for holidays and stuff. Did you meet like extra, were there credits you had to meet in high school or how did you get to graduate? Yeah. Early? Yeah. So I took an extra class and um, I think maybe two extra classes, something like that. Wow. And I was able to graduate early. And so once I did, we actually moved back to Germany and from there I came to New York. I really love fashion and I felt like it was one of the fashion capitals of the world. So um, I knew it was where I needed to be. We talked to a little bit about the the root of the idea for um, originally your brand was millionaires.com. Correct. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started. I know a lot of that um, kind of initiative started when you were, you were really young. Yeah. So when I was in sixth grade I had these uh, pair of pants that were ripped and I wasn't allowed to wear them in school so after I argued with the principal and got her to allow me to wear the pants she said I can't wear them anymore so I agreed to that and as a result I started patching pants with holes in them my mom would sew them and we'd embellish pants and and patch them Mm -hmm. and all my friends wanted the pants so I would charge them $60 and design them myself Right. so I kind of had that entrepreneurial blood in me also, I mean, what's interesting, you know, as a sixth grader, I yeah. mean, that's pretty impressive courage to stand up to your principal. Where did that drive come from? And, and where did you kind of get the courage to just say, you know what, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to argue this. 
Um, I think just being authentic to yourself and um, I was able to do that with a lot of support from my parents. Just growing up always, I was very close to them. Um, So, I mean, if something feels wrong, you should always either explore it or stand up for it if you know it's wrong, especially if it's, you know, something like wearing ripped jeans because they don't like the way they look because that doesn't make sense. They were only ripped in the knees too, by the way. (laughs) It's not like they were in the butt or anything like that. So just a fashion statement and nothing Yeah, it was new at the time. Wearing ripped jeans was outrageous it was so it was unseen but that's such a you know it's such an interesting um and i've known leah for a while and it's i think it's very illustrative of kind of who she is as a person and somebody who's really willing to stand up for what she believes in and so then now bring us forward a little bit i guess to college at what point did this female empowerment concept become important to you It was always important, female empowerment and this message. I just was able to see it from a lot of different viewpoints that I think people don't see um, or notice from a young age. Because like you said, I started doing things kind of a little earlier than most people. So it was always very important. And then after I broke up, my boyfriend actually broke up with me in college. So I was heartbroken, obviously, of course, maybe for like a week. And then I channeled all my energy into being very independent and exploring why I kind of felt so alone and half. And that's what my tattoo is like one out of one. Like you're kind of a, you're, you are a whole person on your own. And so after kind of like developing um, my own opinions and my own experience on the situation, it became very close to me. And I felt a lot of people really um, being attracted to it and what I was exploring and more and more people would come to me with questions and I felt like I was helping a lot of girls through certain situations and so once I felt much more confident in the in the whole topic and what I was standing for and what I was preaching um I that's kind of where millionaires really bloomed from yeah and I want to get more into the business side of things but you bring up a good point about um how you kind of started to feel inspiration once people gave you this positive feedback in Mm -hmm. a way for a lot of people out there starting or really doing anything in their lives, whether it's in the context of a corporate realm or whether it's an entrepreneurial venture, I mean, that takes a lot of that takes a lot of bravery, right? I mean, to be willing to step out and say, I'm going to represent this idea and this brand right. before you even started getting this positive feedback from people. How did you kind of find the courage to really be true to yourself? I don't know. That was one thing I never really lacked because I was always very encouraged to be myself by my parents. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're pulled so many ways. You have a lot of other influences. So I think after um, my boyfriend broke up with me, I felt very kind of lost. And so I needed to explore that. And um, once I did and found the answer, that's really where I got the courage because I knew it was right. I knew it felt like I was like, oh, this is the answer. This is why I'm feeling this way. And but also I don't think courage is ever a thing that I really lacked because my, like I'm bringing up my parents a lot. But um, they were they always said that failing wasn't never to worry about failing. And I know a lot of people do worry about that, um, which is kind of a corny thing to say because like fear of failure and all that. But it really is. It really plays a huge role for I think why a lot of people don't go after their dreams. So, you know. I was really lucky to not ever really feel that way because I had so much support from them in so many ways. Um, it was kind of more about doing stuff like this and telling your story that for me, it takes courage. I do want to talk to you about um, the business aspect of starting a company and starting a company in college. Walk us through how you actually 
put pen to paper and started this company in college? Well, I quit my internship that summer after a day because I was that sure and that I guess people would call courageous. This was no. after junior year? After junior year, yeah. So summer to my senior year. And had a lot of time, so I really just started reading. I knew that I loved fashion and I I don't know really where the original idea came from about printing on shirts. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just I've always been interested in so many things that that was natural for me to just read about something and really become obsessed with it, which is I have a knack for doing that. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, um, to your success? Yeah, um, nothing really is in too much moderation in my life. Um, <laughs> let's. So I started reading and really talking to everyone about it and asking questions and asking for help and asking what people thought. And then um, this is about the idea or about starting a business. This is about how to. No, not about starting a business, about the idea, about like how to get shirts printed and what host site do I use and these kind of things. So there was basically like only a couple questions. It was only kind of like, okay, where do I get the shirts? How do I get them made? And how do I build a website, right? Because it's like kind of start to end in very simple terms. Also, I always loved graphic design. And so that's how I knew I wanted to make graphics on shirts. And I also had very a very sassy personality. So I thought, yeah. what better thing to make besides words and sassy things that I say and put them on <laughs> shirts? So that's and get basically... And wear them around. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because it was empowering because your clothes should make you feel something. And especially if they have words on them, they make you feel something because they say something. So that's kind of like a, in very simple, quick terms, kind of how it all happened. And uh, I made three shirts and only maybe made like two dozen, three, three dozen at least. There was definitely at least three dozen of each shirt and we had a launch party and then it was it was real it was live where do you get your design inspiration from my honest answer is um just seriously stuff i say all the time i don't really do that that much anymore but that's how that's how the original designs came from like i always yeah. say stuff like because i can like you yeah. know I, it's just to me it's so obvious and then i think the second part is my friends mm-hmm. i get a lot of inspiration from my friends i kind of had a lot of girl problems growing up in high school. So having some real solid, awesome, cool girlfriends is very important to me and I respect them so much. Like little things they do, I will kind of interpret and and make my own. So I kind of like take a little part of them and use that as inspiration and create something that's really big. For example, my um, a girl who uh, helps me a lot and is one of my good friends, Melody, it's like super amazing woman, but also really beautiful. And, always looks cool and so and she also wears it with confidence that that's what makes it look cool yeah she's got the swag right so she was wearing camo pants and I was like and she it looks so cute and I was like whoa those like you look fly so we ended up going and getting myself a pair and I found the white pants and then I had found the color so that that's how I took her camo pants and that inspiration and really made it my own and like and then we reconstruct she actually designed the pants the reconstructed pants then we made a skirt and so that's kind of how ideas develop for me you know, you don't really realize that you're being inspired when it happens. You're just like, no, that, that shit's cool. Like, And by the way, you can find those pants on Leah Kirsch. Yeah, right now. duh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if they were up yet or not, but you can definitely find those there. on, on leahkirsch.com. Um, but that, you know, that brings up a an interesting point around inspiration. And, and from a creative perspective, you can come up with something that you think is fantastic. But then from a marketing perspective... How do you think about balancing kind of your inspiration, but then also your customer base? Do you just trust that they're going <laughs> to That's like a good question. Thing? You know, I like I said before, I, I really built um, everything from Instagram from that way, very organically. So I think that my customers, 
And the reason why I got a following was because I was wearing things that were so different. So I feel like my customers really felt close to me. Mm-hmm. And so, and they like what I was wearing. So I know that whatever I like, my customers will probably like too. And if they don't, then they're obviously not the right customer because they should be, you know, the brand is an extension of me. I think most creators and like artists and anyone doing their true craft feels that way. Right. So I don't think they'd be the right customer if they didn't like it. So yeah, I guess to answer your question, I do. I just trust that they are, that they're going to like it. But does that ever factor into your mind when you're kind of creating new products is how do we expand into additional markets or like, for example, I think the, the brand right now is female targeted and then a, a niche demographic within the female market. But do you think about a either expanding into other female markets or even, you know, we discussed the fact that some of your concepts really resonate with men too, from an empowerment perspective. I mean, have you thought about expanding? Yeah. Well, most of the stuff is unisex also for all the male also- listeners. So go shop. So, um, that's answering your question in one way, yeah. though it's not marketed or branded like that. Since I did start with no capital and no startup money, um, I had to use my resources and my resources were cool girls who inspired me. So that yeah. was, that made sense. I think that, um, to answer your question to expanding into markets, um, yeah, it would be eventually probably I will do a male line, but it has to feel right. I think that that's kind of really to answer. I, I know that's not like a very distinct or quantitative answer, but it just, you, some things you have to go based on your feeling and how it makes you feel. And if it feels right, because that's the only way you, you know, you know, if you're going to do something really well, if it feels good and you love it. You also brought up a good point about you have finite resources to use when you're a college student. Yeah. And I think that's pertinent too for professionals of all sorts. I mean, if you look at somebody in a corporate space, they have limited time or limited kind of intellectual capacity. So do you think you're in a non-intuitive way, your lack of resources originally helped propel you to something? Yeah, I think, um, it made the brand really authentic and it was also very inspirational for a, a lot of younger or, or just women because the mm-hmm. whole thing is about empowering other women. And I think that it really showed that even if you don't have $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars in startup capital, you can still do cool shit. If you just kind of really work towards it. And like I said earlier, if you love it, like you will make anything happen that you really love because it's just, that's just what happens. And so I think that that's exactly what I did at that time. You know, now things are a little different. I can pay photographers and I can pay models and I can do this and that. Um, even though I still use all my friends for, as models. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about then some of the hurdles that you did encounter along the way. I mean, it, obviously, you make yeah. it sound like it was a, an inspiring, easy, not easy. Uh, you worked hard, but like, <laughs> yeah, there were hurdles along the way. Of course. Oh my God. There's there's that's yeah one thing people don't talk about enough. There's so many that I can never pinpoint one or a couple things to talk about. I think one thing that I did struggle with was my identity, and since the brand is an extension of me now, that was very um, that's. Once I found that, I was able to rebrand. That's kind of why I rebranded because I really found my a strong identity of myself that I was mm-hmm. battling back and forth and being so influenced in so many ways. Um, that was a hurdle. That was definitely one of the struggles. Um, what else? I think for people to take me seriously, and like I said earlier, that you know, since I was starting so young and in college, it was like, when is, is this girl going to wake up and n- not want to do this tomorrow. So I think that that was a struggle for people to take me seriously because, you know, when you're young, you change your mind a lot. You're not sure. You're still exploring so many options. Did you ever have doubts yourself 
about it? Um, not in the way that I know that I that it's what I love to do and what I need to do is be an entrepreneur and do something with clothes and fashion and making stuff because that's those are my skill sets. But yeah, definitely because you know most people are like, oh, to go off, I'm gonna do my own thing would be such a big risk. For me, going back into the corporate world is a really big risk. Like that, that's the shit that scares me. That you know. But when I came to New York, I thought I was gonna be right. like totally. I was like, I want to be. Well, that was one of the reasons I studied finance in the beginning because I was like, right. I want to be a woman that like badass woman on Wall Street. Yeah, and that changed fast. <laughs> and what changed that? I just got to New York and I was like, wow, there is so much cooler things than just money. Because mm. I was really like in my head, I was like, no, I need to be successful which at that time was to make a lot of money because I don't know that's just, that's just what was in my right. head um and then yeah so I think that once I saw New York and saw how much what all the other resources that were there yeah. um I was able to use them and find something else that I loved more so going back to your point about getting people to take you seriously at what point did this go from an idea or something that's cool or just a side project outside of your classes to this is this is me. This is what I'm doing. Probably two years in. So I think that, wow. that that's why I, I bring up people taking me seriously because they probably did take me seriously. That was just my projection because I wasn't taking it seriously because it did feel very surreal. It was like, why? how is this working so well? So I think after I got done partying and just going out in New York and stuff like that, that's when I um, – realized that people were taking me more seriously because I was taking it more serious. And also I was two years in and I didn't give up and I didn't stop and it was pretty successful. So that also helps people take you seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you kind of had this, um, ambiguous kind of fear almost that this is moving. This, this train is moving. Can I keep up? People are buying into this and I'm not even sold. I mean, yes. that's gotta be the weird. That's why the rebrand is so important because now it's solid. I'm sold. I'm like, this is me, you know, because I'm sure of myself. So I can put that into a brand and give it to the world. What I would love for you to kind of talk about is why it was so important for leahkirsch.com to be so distinctly different from Millionaires. And then kind of how you achieved that. When I started Millionaires, I was so young and I was going through so many things. And that's why I wasn't, I wasn't sure about my own ideas and developing my own thoughts and my values. I was still growing so much. And so that's why I really wasn't ready to put my name behind it. Because I know that when something is branded, it's brand, probably branded for life. Like, that's why rebranding, I'm like, can you really rebrand? I mean, I, I didn't even just rebrand. I just like deaded millionaires and started a new company. Right. Yeah. But since Leah Kirsch was so associated with millionaires, cause I was, it was millionaires by Leah, you know, it was like, I was the model. I was the face of the brand. So that was, yeah. people already kind of knew, um, and Instagram keeps things very personal. So that's, um, I was lucky for that. But so going back on rebranding, when I did rebrand, I needed to make sure that when, people saw Leah Kirsch they knew it was a new fucking brand and it started off strong and crisp with like cool girls that were really embodying still what millionaires stood for because that was one thing that was good but just still it needs to be new and that's why the camo really works is because um it's so different it's it's technically not streetwear you know it's just it's camouflage clothing Mm -hmm. streetwear is kind of like you know graphic tees supreme that kind of stuff um so if I just drop, if I just rebranded quote unquote and dropped another streetwear line, no one would be able to really distinctly see or wouldn't be distinct enough, I guess, to be able to see the difference. So when 
um, when I did rebrand, I, that's why I did the camo because it was like, oh shit, this is very in your face. This is different. It's catching my eye. It's noticeable. You know, not necessarily, yeah. it's not necessarily, it's definitely not selling as well as the other stuff did, but it's really hard to wear. Like who really walks around wearing really, really crazy orange camo pants? Like you gotta be like, you gotta love fashion or you, you know, it's a very like a specific kind of person who's buying orange camo pants, you know, like bright in your face. Um, so that was the reason why I wanted it to be for Leah Kirsch. Cause it was like that. It was like, this is unique. This is new. This is, this is Leah Kirsch. But you also risked losing. I'm sure you did. I mean, you probably did lose some customers. I lost be. like about 1000 followers on Instagram immediately. Yeah. And all those followers are customers. So yeah, I definitely lost customers. Do you see the brand staying this edgy? Or is is it gonna come back? Um, it'll probably circle back, yeah. Okay. But the camo is just cool, and I loved it, and it was like what I was going through. And like mm -hmm. I said earlier, that when I like something, then I know my followers will like it because they like you know they're following me because they like me and my style. So that's why I really like the camo, and that's why I wanted to give it to them, like find them, be the plug for their camo purchase. You very poignantly don't want to call this feminism. Um, and we're, we're calling this kind of female empowerment for lack of better words, which you're not even totally satisfied with, with that uh -huh. labeling. But, um, talk to us about why you think feminism doesn't fit what you're trying to accomplish here. Well, I think it fits. I just think the word is limiting because it's been around for so long. It's been thrown around for so long that it's lost its original actual meaning. Um, which feminism actually means equality. And I think that that's essentially what my female empowerment is. The end goal is, is to empower women to, to be strong and know that they're just as strong as men and that they have full capacity to do exactly what men do, get paid for it, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I think the word, that's why I don't particularly use the word feminism at, as much because I feel like it's just, it's lost its true in, in my mind, it's lost its true definition and um, meaning because it's been used so many different ways by so many people. So that's why I really like female empowerment because it's pretty clear. It's pretty cut. Like, you know what you know what that means. I'm empowering women to be unapologetically themselves and do what they want to do because they love to do it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's such a great message because uh, you kind of mentioned how the old feminism was powering females at the expense of men. But it sounds like now you're kind of more about empowering women to empower women. And I think that message is so powerful for not just women, but also for men in terms of relating to women. Do you care how the male side interprets this or like I, my initial reaction just from being sassy is to be like, no, of course I don't care, but I do care of course, because it's, my craft and my work that's being put out there. So I do care, of course, but it's not going to change me, make me or break me, their response. Right. But I care because I'm human. Um, but how they interpret it is their own projection and perception and subjective self and point of view. That, I, that has nothing to do with me. Um, I hope that they interpret it as a cool um, 
thing that's going on because we're all here on this earth like for each other because we can't do anything on our own you know you can't run the world by yourself so they should so men should be looking at it like this is awesome women are gonna like step up to the plate join us and be CEOs and and make new businesses and start all kinds of stuff and change the world because they can and now that since the world is changing women have so much more opportunity so I hope that they're looking at it like oh cool like they're, they're going to step in. They're going to help us. They're going to do better than us. They're going to do what they want to do. And that's like, you can't be mad at that. That's awesome. All right. So I'm wearing one of the, uh, the hats that says, because I can on it. Um, I, I'd love for you to go into the story of kind of what that phrase means to you and, and where that product line came from. So I think my brother pointed it out to me. I say that to everyone. I still don't know if that story is true. I never even asked him, but I'm pretty sure he was like, you say that all the time. Like, because he's like, I that's can. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like people are like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, because I can. Why do you care so much about what I'm doing? Exactly. <laughs> you know? So that was probably where it came from. Cause people would be like, why are you wearing that? Or my mom would always say that it doesn't match. I'm like, I'm wearing it because I can. Like, I think it looks cool. Why do you care what I'm wearing? <laughs> Obviously she's being my mom, but. Totally. But I think that gets to the root of a lot of people get hung up on. They, they do something or they don't do something because they feel like they need to get they need to have a very proper justification of why they're doing something, why they're going to leave the corporate world or why they're going to, you know, let's say they're going to stay in the corporate world, but they need to think kind of creatively and entrepreneurial within that corporate context. And they're always trying to kind of have this justification of why. Mm-hmm. But for you, I mean, I think it's so powerful <laughs> because you don't need that justification. Right? Yeah, I think that's just your ego talk, people's ego talking because they know that, you know, staying at a corporate job is very safe. Mm-hmm. Some people like don't like to live risky. Like I live off that. I'm adrenaline junkie. Like I love having to hustle and having to work. It's just uh, the kind of person I am. There's a lot of people who, you know, they're like, wait, am I am I supposed to like feel okay working at a corp? Because it's kind of like, oh, I don't know about you, but you know, there's a. It's kind of like shunned. Like, oh, you work a nine to five. It's like no, there's a lot of beautiful things about working a nine to five. You know, but just if you overthink it, you're gonna overthink it, you know? It's just, just do it. If you have another passion, do that on the side, you know? Like, because you can. Because right. you can stay in a corporate job and and not and not need a real reason to stay. Like, because you want to. Yeah, there's no reason why anybody has to be an entrepreneur or anybody has to work in the corporate space. But it's, it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is it's very much just be authentic yeah. and just, because you can. Yeah, just be authentic. Yeah, that's funny you say that because also I never labeled myself as an entrepreneur. Like I never, I actually even hate saying the word. I hate the E and the U at the end too. It's like aesthetically so annoying. It's irritating. I never labeled myself as an entrepreneur until people started saying I was an entrepreneur. You know, it's just like I'm just going out and doing something because it's cool. That doesn't mean, or because I like it because I think it's cool. Like I took an entrepreneur class because I wanted to. Um, make like build a relationship with my teacher the Mm -hmm. professor because she was very smart and she invested in a lot of small brands and I didn't really even know call myself an entrepreneur until after I took the class because I was like wait I'm doing all these things and she was like that's what entrepreneurship is I'm like oh you know but it was never like that it was never like following a path or following an identity or doing what's right and wrong like it really just comes back down to being authentic to yourself and and like trusting your gut and your feelings and your intuition Leah at one point said, one thing I've always believed is that the key to self-care, be that in business or your personal life, is objectivity. You have to confront the truth and learn from it. So two points that stuck out to me were self-care and then objectivity. Tell me how, tell us how those two kind of relate to each other. 
for me, everyone's self-care is different. Um, for me, I get really caught up in situations. I used to. And I was never able to look at it from an objective point of view. It was just like me. This is my problem. It wasn't, I could never pull myself out of it and look at the other person's point of view. And that was very detrimental to my life. It caused a lot of problems. Um, not even saying that if I was right or wrong in a situation, like if I was doing something in high school. Um, but really just understanding the way the person's feeling and how they're reacting because they're, they're, they have their own reactions too. So I think that um, being able to be objective and pull yourself out of a situation in anything business, like understanding why this person isn't going to agree to your negotiation. Like what, like, you know, being able to really like actually step out of your shoes, which like a lot of self care books do talk about, um, and understand the situation as a whole and also to not get too caught up in things. This is what kind of being objective means to me. And that's me really taking care of myself because, um, without that, like I said, it was very detrimental to my life in the past. But without that, I can, I can just skew things in my head so much, and I will, in a wrong way. Like I'll just, you know, OD it, or I'll, I'll think about it too much. But I really just being able to be objective for me is so helpful. So you know, this thing gets going, and um, you're you're obviously successful so far, and still a lot of room to grow. But um, what is the hardest part of the business day to day for you? I always used to say waking up. (laughs) What time do you get up? Well, it's different because it's different every like, like I said, I wasn't drinking. Like I I was totally not drinking for three weeks. So I wake up at 730 or eight. But, you know, if I'm being honest, fully honest, I probably wake up at 10, nine or 10. Okay. But no, but uh, without an alarm. I mean. Yeah. But you probably stay up late working and, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of my creative ability or my artistic, I can channel my artistic side at night. I do think that having a routine is key to to being successful in, um, once you've kind of, no matter what it is, you have to have a routine because that was, that was a struggle. That's a struggle I always forget about. I didn't have a routine and I still, you know, every day is so different. So not necessarily my days are the same, but like getting up and just doing the same thing or like even now, like I'll eat the same thing. Like for like a month, I'll eat the same. I don't know if that's healthy. Probably not. But um, having a routine, if you have such a busy lifestyle, because you need consistency in some way, right? What? Now I'm curious, kind of given that you've had all these experiences and um, obviously started your own company and, and dealt a lot with kind of figuring out your own authenticity. I think uh, young people a lot of times get a rap for being impatient, um, entitled, do you think that those are accurate descriptors? Number one. Number two, what do you think our generation is doing well and where do you think we can improve? Do I think those are accurate descriptors? No, because I think that's people just putting in a, you know, an identity to us um, and we kind of play into that, which is what Hollywood does. It's, mm. it's a very powerful thing. Um, I, I mean... A description comes from some sort of example that someone set, but you can't generalize a whole generation of people because everyone's so different. I mean, not saying that we aren't impatient, but it's just technology. Even parents are impatient now, you know, with their phones. They're pretty, they sit out with their phones too, you know, like everything changes. And also I don't think, but it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just things change and 
it has to, you know, it's due to technology, I think. Um, which technology is awesome. So I'm never mad at that. The second part of your question was, what do you think we're doing? Well, I think that, um, our generation is really, I mean, even you, you talking about before being, having very, uh, traditional upbringing about going to school and having to fit this identity now and, and, and exploring that more, even kids who are going to Ivy league schools, they're, channeling their artistic side, their more creative side and the like love and their passion. Um, obviously people have been doing this for a long time, but I feel like with the internet, one thing we're doing really well is that we are exploring so many passions. And I think that's really cool because like I said, like in my Italian family, it was very, you know, do this, just do this X, Y, and Z because this is what's successful. But that's not like, there was no free thinking or creative, um, area to explore so i think that that's one thing we're doing really well and i have to say it's probably based on technology do you have any mantras or anything of success or Mm -hmm. um trust your process everyone's process is different and that's why my my other tattoo says relativity like everything is relative to everyone's own life and comparing your process or your life to someone else's is will kill you I had to trust my, I was in such a rush to rebrand and instead of just like going through the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing our generation can also improve on. We are always looking for that end result, that immediate gratification that, or that instant gratification um, is is really, really crazy, especially for me, I feel. Um, I'm always just looking for like, what's going to be the most exciting as fast, you know? So I think that took a long time. I think people learn that with age that just to trust your process and what you're going through and that I needed to, when you take the time to do something, um, to like, to go through the process, no matter how long the time is, but to go through the process, like it's so much more rewarding and it's so much more thorough. Well, and from a practical standpoint for you, you are hustle, like every day has to be a hustle. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that it's hard to have this like micro hustle focus and then also be able to say the other side of the coin is from a big macro perspective, like, Hold on, it's, you know, have some Right, patience. yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of, I never looked at it like that. Yeah, so that was hard for me because I really fell into that instant gratification thing really fast. I was like, no, I want an iPhone and I want it now. You know, I <laughs> yeah. don't want to, what do you mean I can't get the iPhone 7, you know? Once, trust the pro- trust your process, practice what you preach, or practice what you post. Because you got all these people on Instagram now, you know, and they're just like posting all this inspirational stuff, but they're not actually doing it. And I think that that's really inauthentic and I'm very about being authentic and I yeah. think that's just wrong because it creates this lack of trust within everyone because it's like wait but you you don't even do those things I think a lot of people and and you know I follow I do follow you on Instagram and I think mm-hmm. um, a lot of the photos and posts are are empowering and, and all that and I guess walk through the actual emotional cycle of being an entrepreneur when on the outside things look like they're going so well <laughs> <laughs> good fucking question yeah that is called keeping your shit together. <laughs> you know? How do you do it? You you just got to be honest about it. Like, you know, if, if I post something on Instagram that says something about, like, struggling, it's probably because I'm struggling. You know, it's a, like, it's an extension. It's a projection. And it happens to have... It happens to be that other people are going through that thing. And that's why they resonate with it, too. You know? Yeah. So, um, like, a, like, a big, like, oh, my God... I like a big low would be, I don't know, like once a year, mm-hmm. but like a little oh shit every day, of course. But you, you, that's why you have to stay objective and know that 
that's going to happen and it's fine. You know, it's not wrong. We just try to like put everything into a fucking category when yeah. really it's just like, no, like, you know, it's a struggle, but yeah, like it's going to pay off if you just push through it. Where do you, what's your, what's your vision for the company and where do you see it going? Uh, I also hate that question. <laughs> Um, and I just read a really good thing. I don't know who it was, Travis Scott or some rapper, but he said that he also doesn't like this question because it makes you really focus on the future instead of the process, which is now. And when you have that end goal, you never really reach the end goal because you, there's always something more. Even if you reach a goal, there's always going to be something more. I I eventually want to have a store. Um, these are, these are big, big goals, you know, but after I get a store, what am I going to, you know, people get caught up in, you know, hitting these benchmarks and doing this. And this is the plan because this is what someone else did. It's like, no, that might not happen. And then if I don't reach a store, someone, you know, I'm going to be like, but damn, I said I was going to get a store. So that's why it's like, you can't really, you can't get too caught up in just looking at everything like X, Y, and Z. And this is the end goal. And it's just like, just yeah. go with it. Trust the process. When I say go with it, I don't mean like sit on the couch and just chill and go with it. Like go work yeah. and, but like trust the process of working and hustling and what it's going to do with your hard work and your persistence. Sometimes as an entrepreneur and as somebody trying to make a difference, you have to, you have to set a line in the stand and say, we're going to achieve this. I mean, we were talking about Elon Musk earlier and he's famous for saying we're going to be on the moon in 10 months. Sometimes he makes it, sometimes he doesn't. But that's kind of uh, the hallmark of who he is. And I think a lot of people have identified mm. entrepreneurship or like take, mm-hmm. building a business yeah. as we're going to do this and then do whatever it takes to reach it. Um, how do you, I just sense a dichotomy there. And like, how do you balance that? Um, I think that there's always, it's good to have a process and a plan and like, yeah, you should, but you know, meaning like I should always be designing things. I always have to be at looking at new collections. So that's kind of like future planning. But I mean, like, that's another thing, like, okay, that worked for Elon Musk, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for like Snapchat, you know, like it's like, it's so different. And that's the, that's why comparing is so bad. Cause it's like, you know, Elon Musk did it. It must work. We must have to set goals and be like, we're going to be in 10 years. I got to have a store. I got to be on the moon in 10 years. You know, it's like, but that, and, and that's, but it's very tricky because you can't, you know, people are like sitting around and like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? So it doesn't mean that you don't have to hustle and work because you have to fucking work your ass off. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, nothing is going to happen. And you have to do everyone's job on your starting because yeah. that's just the only way because it's your vision and your dream. So I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, having ideas mm-hmm. are good more than goals. For me, it's not like a goal. It's like I know what's going to happen because I know that I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. So it's like it's just like a thing that I'm going to do. It's not really a goal. It's like, I probably will definitely have a store in the future, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's a, I feel like a goal is so, um, fluffy putting things into categories. And that is just really just, it just robs you. It's an interesting insight into think, I think how somebody like you thinks and that you don't think of goals as something that you have to create in order to achieve it's more that your achievements are things that are already created in your mind and it's just a matter of time before you yeah get it's just a matter of the process like i'm not ready yet to have a store because i've never worked in a store i have no idea how it runs i don't have the money to invest in a store right now so it's like that's why it's not happening now you know like it's just not my process uh leah thanks for joining us today um, thank you for having me guys check out leahkirsch.com the newly rebranded website and again keep out for keep an eye out for all the new 
and exciting product line launches that are going to be coming soon. Hey guys, it's Kyle Wittenauer. And on behalf of the entire Iteration One team, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate any comments or suggestions you have. We look forward to continuing to offer you new and exciting podcasts inspired by successful professionals and entrepreneurs. Click subscribe so you don't miss a single iteration.